0: My name is David J. Harris
1: Jr. Join me and millions of Americans around the country as we embrace liberty and freedom. This is the David J. Harris Jr. Show. Friends and family from around the country and around the world, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode, either via video or podcast. Today, I've got an amazing guest, a friend of mine, somebody that you probably heard of, Donald Trump actually uh, had to pardon him. I'll, I'll let him share the specifics because he was being railroaded. He is retired Navy SEAL Chief Eddie Gallagher, a man that served our country during the Bush era, served our country during the Barack Obama era, and served our country as well through the era of Donald Trump, which I don't believe is over, but uh, we're going to have to just uh, keep praying and believing that the chips will fall uh, that the, enough will be exposed. But without trying to get into too much of that, my point is this man has been in the military serving for serving during the last three presidents. And what he has to share about how deep and dirty the swamp is, uh, even in the military, friends, we got to understand there's a lot of uh, Obama appointed, even Bush appointed individuals that now make up the swamp. That is uh, that is in the military they railroaded Eddie they tried to literally hamstring him lock him up throw away the key he went through hell after serving our country and putting his life on the line uh, so many times so we're going to hear from him today my good friend Eddie Gallagher Eddie so good to have you with me today my brother how are you doing good my man it's good to be
0: here it's good seeing your face (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, it's good to see you, too, man. I, I'm so glad that we got to connect in Colorado. Uh, Eddie and I both went to uh, Drop Zone um, for uh, Restored Warrior Project. It was absolutely amazing. I shared some video of that. Uh, really quick, Eddie, what was that week? What was that five-day Drop Zone event for you? How how how, has, how things changed uh, in your life since
0: that Drop Zone? Um, I mean, it was pretty much an awakening, you know, uh, going there. What it did for me, you know, it gave me the tools to uh, deal with. um, You know, I think it's what everybody deals with. You know, we have, um, it's a spiritual battle. I think everybody's constantly fighting and, you know, everything that I went through the past two years, um, you know, I was having some problems afterwards when I got out, uh, just dealing with that and trying to decompress from it. A lot of negative thoughts, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, um, you know, and that's all spiritual based and just, you know, the, the, whatever you want to call it, the demons or Satan or whatever, whoever, however you want to put words to it, just given, uh, you know, negative voices all the time, trying to, you know, make these, uh, uh, promises like, Oh, you're, you're not good enough. You know, you are what they say you are, uh, you know, not to that extent, but, you know, that, that kind of, after being smeared in the media for two years, yeah, I did, I did a number on me, but, you know, operation restore warrior the drop zone that we went to you know gave me the tools to uh deal with those things and made me realize that you know jesus loves me and that's all that matters um and i came out of there just feeling like a new man so it was uh it's awesome and it's been awesome well i feel that with you my brother it was
1: amazing for me as too, uh, for me as well i know uh i think all, every one of us i think there was uh uh, seven of us that had, that had, uh, gone that rally, that trip. And uh, some of the changes that I saw in some of those men, those other men that were there, is just amazing. And for you guys that were, that have served, um, you know, what you deal with, I mean, you guys are all 100% legitimate bad asses, right? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a big boy, but I wouldn't want to step up to any one of you guys that were there. I mean, uh, you know, Navy SEAL chief, You've been in combat. Uh, you were up running around at three o'clock in the morning or whatever the heck it was. You know, you're carrying dumbbells and backpacks of sand and rock and boulders on your shoulders. <laughs> you were just out there doing it, man. You were out there doing it. That's a great. But time. the fact that you are, uh, you know, an, a grade A legitimate badass, a tough guy that served our country and seen some of the most, probably craziest things anybody will ever see, some of it you shared with me that I, we cannot share on here. And yet, you still deal with those kind of, you know, the the voices, the insecurity issues, the oh, you're not this, you're not that. Plus, it doesn't help that you're serving your country, our country, and then you come back and get completely blasted from the media. So they, don't, I know they locked you up for like eight months, solitary. They didn't get get into all of it, get into what happened, why they tried to throw you under the bus, and let's expose some of these uh, swamp creatures that are in the
0: military. Definitely. Um, so I'll, I'm going to summarize it as best I can because it's, it is a crazy, crazy story. Uh, and if people want to know more about it, obviously my book will be coming out hopefully in the next couple months, uh, The Man in the Arena. Uh, you can look that up at EddieGallagherBook.com. But I'm, I'm going to try and summarize as best I can. Um, my last deployment uh, was in 2017. I went to Missoula, Iraq, where uh, ISIS was uh, had pretty much had a hold on hold on the city. Um, our job was to clear ISIS of that city, get rid of them. Um, and uh, <clears throat> we, we got there around February of 2017. Um, the platoon that was there before us had cleared pretty much most of the eastern side. And we were tasked with clearing the whole western side of Missoula. Um, and that, it's a pretty massive city. Uh, it's I think it's like three or four times the size of San Diego. So we, and what uh, year was this? This was in 2017. So here's one other thing that I want you to throw out there that you shared with me
1: in Colorado when we were there for Drop Zone. You during you were in you were in the military while Bush was president. Yep. Then Obama steps on in the scene, steps on the scene. It gets in the Oval Office, and your ROEs, your your uh, rules R-R-U's, your rules of ROEs, rules of engagement changed. How did your rules of engagement change before we get to you taking on ISIS and them trying to do what they did to you? How did your rules of engagement change under Barack Obama? Because I'm afraid, again, if if for some reason Donald Trump isn't vindicated and, and Joe Biden actually does take the Oval Office, 75% or close to it of his appointees were worked for Obama. So yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of, a, a, it's almost like an Obama third term uh, if Joe Biden is is in there. So what were some of the rules of engagement that changed that you immediately saw out there in the field under Obama When Obama took office
0: uh, Sure so I happened to be In Afghanistan uh, when Obama Took office uh, for sure, I went to Afghanistan shortly after Obama Took office and uh, You know it was uh, it wasn't like this Big drastic change like oh everything Is you know Shut down or you guys can't do this it was little Little increments of things that kept coming down The pipe like hey um, You guys aren't allowed to prosecute Targets at night anymore Uh we had to you're, do wait, it. wait! You're not allowed to what? Prosecute targets at night, so we weren't allowed to go out at night, um, which what we had been doing um, the whole time, which is what we want to do. We have we want the every advantage in our favor. Yeah, advantage. doesn't
1: it, wouldn't it, wouldn't it make sense that it's better to go out and try to get your enemy at nighttime?
0: Yeah, yeah I did. I mean, it definitely is. So when that was so, down to us, we you know none of us there was no good answers. We we're like, why is this happening? You know, like this is just what's being put down, basically. What we were told is it's unfair to the enemy. Um, it was it, unfair to the enemy in no certain certain words, like that. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was rejected. Isn't that
1: the point, Eddie? Come on, isn't that the point that take every advantage that we possibly yeah. have against the enemy that we're trying to you know stifle, eliminate, capture?
0: Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to be fighting on even terms. We want every advantage possible. That's how we. Wow. And then it just started trickling down from there to where we started getting the rules of engagement were tightened up. It was almost as if we were becoming a police force over there. Um, You know, everything was a lot of a lot more things were questioned. Um, You know, there was a firefight and somebody killed somebody. I mean, you could see that the investigations were coming down. There was a lot of scrutiny being put on us um, during that time, which made it very frustrating. you know, we had to follow by these strict set of rules that was being put down. And we lost a lot of guys because of it. Um, I think not just in this, I mean, not just in the SEAL teams, but the military overall. Um, wow. During that time. So yeah, it was, uh, but you know, if this is the crazy thing is we're in the military and we're gonna do what we're told. So right. way, you you know, that's the president of the United States. I didn't, I didn't vote for him, but he was my president. So therefore I was gonna follow whatever orders he was putting out. Um,
1: so overall, how would you summarize the difference in military style and the ability for the military to do their job when Barack left and Donald Trump came on the scene?
0: Well, that's uh, that's pretty interesting too, because I, as I actually got into Mosul, Iraq, shortly after Trump took office and it was a complete 180. Um, we had been in Iraq, I think for about three or four years uh, before we actually started claiming Mosul um, just sort of keeping our eye on ISIS uh, we weren't allowed to engage and then if we wanted to engage we had to request it, it went through like five different channels so just under even, Obama yes this is all under Obama so to give you an example if I we saw an ISIS a bunch of ISIS fighters digging IEDs or doing something you know they shouldn't be doing if we wanted to drop a bomb on them we would have to call back to hire That hire would have to call back to another hire and then to another one to finally get an answer saying, yes, it's approved. By the time it would come back down to us, those fighters would be gone. Um, Yeah, they'd be gone. I was just going to say, they had to be gone by that time. Yeah. So what uh, President Trump did when he took office is he gave authority to us. He was like, pretty much what was told is to us, and Mattis was under him at the time. The gloves are off. You guys have the authority. Get the job done. Get ISIS out of Mosul, and so that's exactly what we did. Um, and that's without—I I truly believe—without that decision from the president, that ISIS would still be in Mosul right now. I mean, wow! It took that—it it took that aggressive nature, which is the aggressive nature that we we were used to before Obama took office, to get the job done. So, what do you think? What do you think if
1: Joe Biden was to become the next president and stay around? Since he was the vice president for Obama, do you think that the military was it would go back? I mean, it's you know, it's your own thoughts, I guess, on it. Do you think you're, the military would kind of start to follow the same track that Obama was
0: doing? Yeah, you know, yeah. Like I said, these are my own thoughts and my opinions, just from my experiences. I do believe that if Biden gets back in office, he'll cut costs to the military again, just the same thing Obama did. But then over overwork us, um, especially the special operations uh, side of the house where we will be sent, you know, back over. And I honestly think he'll be he'll put a lot more conventional units back overseas, too. You know, Trump right now is trying to draw down from Iraq and Afghanistan, which is what he told the American people that he would do. And he's keeping up on that promise, just like the many other promises he's kept up on. But I do believe that if Biden gets elected, he's going to put troops back into those countries because... War is a moneymaker. And that's, this is a reality of it. You know, these, um, and these generals and admirals that are in charge right now all came up under the Obama era, right? They were all promoted under Obama. That's
1: the swamp I was going to say, please expound on. It is so important for everybody to understand exactly what you're sharing right now, Eddie. The people that are in positions of power and authority right now were a lot of them, not all of them, a lot yep. of them were appointed under the eight years of Obama, from eight exactly. to sixteen. Now they're in higher positions of power and authority. And we got, we also have to understand war is a money maker. So Eddie, please continue. I just want to expound on that. Please continue at what you what you could see, what we all could see take place under a Joe Biden presidency.
0: Yep. So yeah, you know, I think we've already seen some of it take place already. So. Like I was saying, these generals and admirals that come up under the Obama regime, they're in charge right now of uh, whatever branch, you know, Army, Navy, these, these uh, admirals and generals and whoever else, they all have plans to, when they retire, they all go what they call, we call it the beltway loop, which is right, right outside the Pentagon. It's all these companies that fund the war or make money off, the, not fund the war, but make money off the war. Right. That's where these generals and admirals end up going. It's like a shoe in and they become consultants for them, in which where, where they make millions of dollars. Now, wow. we pull out of the war, that option's gone for them. So, all of them are they, I mean, and this is going to surprise the American people how left leaning the military leadership is right now.
1: Wow. Because um, a lot of them are just appoint, Obama appointees, they're holdovers. So, um, before we get into, I want to get back to how you were railroaded. I, we've seen the difference between what tr- how Trump ran things, ran the military. Uh, Obama, in my opinion, gutted the military. Uh, I think that Joe Biden will probably go back to doing the exact same thing. Have your hands tied behind your back. Um, we, you know, the president was able to. Uh, Trump was able to pretty much destroy and dismantle ISIS. Uh, now they've got to be excited to see the potential for a Joe Biden presidency. But then let's get back to how you served our country, and then you came back to an absolute just disgraceful uh, ending. Before I do that, I got to do a quick word from my sponsor. Friends, if you love the show, if you love the the guests I bring, if you like my voice being here, one of the best ways you could support me is to support yourself. Get yourself something from MyPillow.com. Mike Lindell is my number one sponsor. He loves my show. And guess what? I love his products. I love his sheets. I love his towels. I love his mattress topper the most. Now he's got robes, he's got uh, dog beds, he's got pillows you can take. He's got so many products. Get to mypillow.com, get something for yourself or your family members and use the code TRUMP2020 when you do. That'll know that uh, that'll let Mike know that you came from my store. Great way to support yourself. mypillow.com and use the code TRUMP2020. All right, Eddie, let's get back to it. How did they railroad you?
0: Uh, give us an overview of how and why they railroaded you. Sure. So, uh, I, like I said, I went to that deployment in Missoula in 2017. Um, we finished the, you know, finished clearance of Missoula. It took us about seven months. Um, uh, got the job done, came home. Um, there was a little, you know, the the deployment was chaotic and hectic. Uh, it was very busy. Um, we were, everyone was very tired by the time we got back. Uh, there was some disgruntled. Individuals in my platoon that did not like the aggressive nature of how i we worked the whole time, and since I was the leader, I they, they you know blamed that on me, which is it's on un, not unnormal. You know, you mm-hmm. it's usually you come back from deployment and everyone's pretty tired of being around each other for seven months, especially when you're living in austere, pretty crappy conditions. But uh, these certain individuals came back and started spreading rumors about me um and it's very catty very childish but it was little tiny rumors that i was too aggressive as a leader um that i was you know could have got one of them killed even though nobody nobody was and that i was a thief Uh, i was stealing little care packages from them all i mean none of this stuff is true but no proof they had no proof they were just throwing accusations yeah and They these accusations escalated um, after they, they went to the leadership, you know, and told them these accusations and leadership told them to go decompress that, just like you said, there's no proof to this. These are petty accusations. So instead of going back and decompressing, these guys decided to escalate the rumor and said they came back about three or four months later and said, oh, well, he murdered a ISIS prisoner that was in our care the command of course can't sit on that so they gave it over to ncis uh which is the naval Cri- naval criminal criminal investigative service um it's like the uh fbi for the navy you know? yeah and they've got their
1: own show on tv which is probably nothing like what's really going on in ncis no, no.
0: but these guys are the most amateur investigators i think you'll ever meet um wow just to give you a context all these guys apply for jobs for the fbi or some other high up, you know, agency get turned down, and that this is the only slot that they can get into. So they're sort of like the bottom of the barrel. Um, the, once NCIS got a hold of it, they, uh, an agent, NCIS agent named Joe Warpinski, um, saw this and decided to that this was going to be a career maker for him. If he can bag a Navy SEAL for murder, that would be huge. So wow. Style. Instead of actually investigating the accusations and getting to the truth, he formed a prosecution from the beginning and was like, all he did was take information from these individuals that would make me look horrible. Um, And he says it on his first, you know, I got to watch all of the, the interviews with these individuals from my platoon. And he tells each one of them at the beginning of the interview, I don't care what you guys did. I don't care about any of that. I just want Eddie Gallagher. We'll give you all of you immunity. Just give me what I need to take him down.
1: Pretty much. Wow. Is this guy still working today to this day? No, I mean, we're right. fast forwarding through everything that happened, but just curious, does this guy still have a
0: job. Oh yeah. And this is, this is the frustrating thing about all that. And I'll get that to at the end. Um, all right. So pretty much they, you know, um, foreign prosecution, NCIS did about a month of investigating. And, uh, until they decided when they decided to raid my house, um, they waited till my wife and I were not home. My eight-year-old and 18-year-old were home. My recently turned 18-year-old. Uh, they sent a 25 to 30-man SWAT team to my house, um, blocked off my whole neighborhood, pulled both my kids out at gunpoint, guns in their faces, and my kids were in their underwear, put them in the Oh, street. my gosh. Yeah, it was like, like I was a cartel member. Um, they had me locked up in an interrogation room while this was going on. I had no idea this was going on. Wow. Uh, until I got home and then once I got home and saw what they had done to my house and everything they had taken and how they had interrogated my wife, not only my wife, but also were saying things to my kids like I was a murderer. Um, they were I, telling your kids that? My kids asked them, why are you guys doing it to our house? And they said, your daddy is, or your dad uh, murdered somebody. Um,
1: oh my gosh.
0: So. Which why would you say really disgusting? Yeah. And that was just the start of the just disgusting things that they did to me and my family. So from there, they pretty much, it was like, it didn't happen. We went on living. Uh, I moved my family to Florida where I was planning on retiring. Cause I hit, I hit my 20 year mark, came back to San Diego after I moved them there to finish out my service. And that's when they, I went to a, um, Traumatic Brain Injury Clinic, which get pretty much gets you fully checked out before you get out of military, head to toe, um, just because of all the blasts and injuries we take over our career. Um, yeah. It gets us set up for the outside. Um, right. They arrested me. They came and arrested me out of there. I was there for about a week and a half. They just showed up. Um, in, in California? Yeah. I, it was on. I was on a Marine base. They you're, you're on a
1: marine base getting checked out for your brain, so that you can so that you can leave the military, retire after 20 years, and they come and arrest you.
0: Yes. And oh yeah, this is all I know. This all sounds insane, and it just gets more crazy as it goes on. But yeah, they came and got me. I uh, asked them why they were arresting me. They wouldn't tell me. They said they they actually said that I, we have no clue. We were just we're being ordered to arrest you. They handcuffed me, took me down to the uh, prison, or they call it the brig, um, but it's a prison. Uh, I went down there. And from that moment, once you are put in there, you fall under the UCMJ, which is a uniform code of military justice, which is completely different than the civilian justice system. So there is no bail once you're put in there. Um, So once I was in there, I was was incarcerated for nine months uh, before my trial. And so they just
1: locked you up, basically didn't give you a phone call. Didn't really tell you anything and kept you there for almost
0: nine months? Nine months. Um, they, they. Uh, I had a little hearing once I got in there. Uh, the fourth day I was in there, they do this like fake hearing where they deem whether they, you should stay in there or you're safe to be outside until you're on the outside until you're a uh, trial. They used my job against me at that hearing. They said because I was a Navy SEAL, because I had all these qualifications. They named off every school I'd been to, you know, sniper, breacher, all this stuff. They said that I was a danger to everybody um, and that I could, they treated me like I was Jason Bourne. Um, and like, so when they first threw me in there, they threw me in solitary uh, for about four days. They had me handcuffed. Every time they moved me, I had to have my legs shackled and my arms shackled. I was the only prisoner being treated like that. Um, and Wow. Once they said, you can't, you're too much of a danger to get out because of your job. Um they you're in there and you're not leaving. And then wow. I wasn't so I I wasn't even charged with anything until two and a half months in there. And then they finally gave me the charge sheet and said, Hey, this is what we're charging you with, which was premeditated murder um, of an ISIS terrorist. Uh they chose um it was they they threw a launch, so they they make a laundry list of charges, and I can't even remember half of them. Um, because that they I think they charge me around with 18 things and this is what they do is they try and find any little thing they can you know charge you with, throw it at the wall like spaghetti and see what sticks. And then if something sticks, they're like, oh we, you know we gotta win out of it. So unreal. yeah, it's- and this
1: is so sad to hear you know it's really sad to hear that this is how any aspect of our military uh, operates for especially for individuals like you that are out, you know putting yourself in harm's way and then it seems like you've got these bureaucrats you know back in the office that are just trying to do what they're whatever they want to do to make a name for themselves but i know we talked in colorado too that this is kind of the mo for these guys oh, they'll, yeah. they'll give somebody you shared the, the 18 19 year old kid that yeah. innocently took a picture but because of where he took the picture they basically tried to call him a russian spy and he's looking at life in prison or you know a cop to these charges and we'll give you 10 years i mean it's just it's it's sad it's disheartening oh that- yeah. that,
0: you know we you know I, I look at this everything i went through as a blessing now because mm-hmm. i saw behind a curtain that didn't i didn't even know existed um mm. i had no idea this is how the military treated individuals that were under the ucmj so when i was locked up obviously i was in there i was in general population most of the people in there that were in there with me were young kids you know like 19 20 years old um and a lot of them are in there for infractions like smoking weed and failing you know failing a a piss test or um some little thing but because they fall into the ucmj they end up getting like four or five years for that now if you think about that i I was talking to these kids and they're all good kids you know they volunteered to serve their country and they made a mistake and should they pay for that mistake yes but that over punishment that they're doing in the military is destroying lives so if you look at it in context these 18 year, 19 year old kids could have went to college or did something else instead of raising their right hand to serve their country and if they would have smoked weed in college or they would, I mean it wouldn't have been a di- you know would have made a difference but because they raise their right hand to join the military then they're persecuted if they make one you know little mistakes like that and it the military ruins their lives for pretty much ever I mean because wow. they're only discharged it's on your record for the rest of your life. Um, and what I learned is the that prison is pretty much a plea bargain factory. What they do is they stick these kids in there and they did this to me too. Um, they tell you, you're done, you're going away for life. I was facing life without parole. Um, I was definitely the... Uh, number one guy in the brig that was, you know, I was in there for premeditated murder. A lot of these guys are in there, like I said, for small infractions, but they threaten these guys with like, oh, you're getting 40 years. It's happening? They let them sit in a cell for about two and a half months with that thought in their head. Then they'll come back to them like, hey, you just plead guilty. We'll give you three years. And so these kids are like, well, three years is better than 30 and they can't, and nobody in the military can afford- afford good legal assistance they don't make that kind of money they can't afford good lawyers so a lot of these guys just end up pleading guilty just so they can get their you know short term over with which is why the navy has a i think it's around a 96 percent prosecution rate which that should Dang. Make, that should make you question you know
1: 96 percent prosecution rate only four percent yeah. of cases of individuals that are going to court for something wind up innocent
0: yep and that you know don't. It's, wow. it's definitely in the ninety-something percentile.
1: Um, that's still unbelievable. Yeah, that's that's absolutely not. unbelievable. So you're facing life without parole, uh yes. dishonorable discharge. I think along with that, no, no, uh, no medical benefits, which you should have been looking at medical benefits. Maybe full, you know, medical benefits. You should have been looking at a, a pension, retiring after twenty years, and instead you're looking at life in prison without parole, and then Donald Trump he steps on the scene what happened when donald trump heard about your case how did that start
0: oh oh, so yeah that's a um so as soon as i was thrown in prison my wife god bless her decided to instead of sitting back and letting the military railroad me she stood up and started fighting back she started a um, organic social media um, campaign and started telling everybody what was going on with me because the military was trying to keep this Secret and just like, oh, we're gonna just railroad this guy and nobody will know the difference. Nobody, she was putting everything out through social media. Um, like, hey, this is what they're doing to my husband, here are the facts, here's what's going on. And while she was doing that, the liberal media, the prosecution was leaking all negative stuff about me to the liberal media, and they were putting out these articles, smearing me, painting me as a psychopath, um, and all this. So, my wife was fighting not only the government but she was also fighting the media and she ended up i mean she's she's a machine and her and my brother both ended up advocating for me a bunch and they finally got on uh fox and friends which my wife was told that the president watches avidly every morning so when she got on there um you know she did a hell of a job of explaining what was going on and then she was pretty much like nobody's coming and helping us. We, we need, and that's how we felt at the time. We're like, we need help otherwise. Yeah. yeah. And so the president, what he did, and I think there's a big uh, uh, misinformation about exactly what he did for me. At that time when the president intervened, I had been in the uh, prison for about seven months. He, all he did was tweeted. He tweeted, let him out of the brig or the prison so he can properly defend himself. Because I was not able to, I was not getting any meetings with my legal counsel. I was not allowed anything in there. So I, I was just going to court with no plan, and my lawyer, my lawyers were, you know, trying to scramble to fight this case. So he, so did it work? He tweets out, lets you out so you can, pro,
1: so you can properly defend
0: yourself. Did it that half, work? It halfway worked. They let me out as I, I walked out of that brig, and the command, my command had ma's come meet me and they threw me in a room right across the street and said and gave me a list of rules that i wasn't even allowed out of the room i wasn't allowed to telephone i wasn't allowed anything i was pretty much just back in the break but now i was in a barracks room across the street so i still could not properly defend myself i still not do you know they were still violating so many rights um so once i was able to uh we had to keep going back to court to pretty much complain like, Hey, he's still not able, you know, I'm still not able to defend myself. The judge, um, finally was like, you know, give this guy a phone so he can call his lawyer and have, you know, conversations with him. Um, yeah. seems like that pro- makes sense. The prosecution at, you know, was avidly against that. Um, they, of course, cause unbelievable. They, and this is where the sort of, the uh, tide changed is we caught the prosecution uh, spying and cheating. We knew that they had been doing it the whole time and we had, wow. but it kept getting turned down.
1: Sounds like you were a a little mini Trump case. You know, they're spying and cheating and blasting president Trump. They're spying and cheating and
0: and blasting you in the media. And I think that's why the president took such a uh, avid interest and yeah I bet. because it was pretty much parallel what was going on with me it was going on with him obviously him in a much bigger uh
1: yeah 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 but still park. their mo's the same right yeah. They're yeah they, they the, the way they operate is the same
0: yeah they weren't looking for the truth they were just looking for a win um and so <clears throat> once that prosecutor got caught cheating he said well he sent a beacon out to all my lawyers that if they they my lawyers would have clicked that beacon they would add all the information um, that we would use for our defense, which is what they were trying to get. Um, we ended up catching them. The prosecutor got relieved right before my trial, which in a civilian case, if this happened in a civilian case, the trial would have been you know, thrown, or thrown away. The whole case would have been dismissed. That prosecutor would have went to prison because what he did was he broke so many laws. Yeah, those are the individuals that need to go to prison exactly this is and this is what we saw like because we were under the ucmj none of that mattered so all they did was get another prosecutor from dc to come down and we ended up going wow. to trial. um and so we went to trial uh, at the end of trial i was found not guilty of all these crazy counts except one um i did i took a picture with a the dead terrorist uh, along with 12 other individuals we posed with the dead terrorist i was the only one prosecuted for it was it a,
1: was it a was it a good win as far as getting the terrorist? Was he somebody that I mean he's a terrorist?
0: Yeah. I don't was, know.
1: I don't know if there's different levels of being a terrorist, you know, like the cards that they put out under Bush, you know, you got the ace and you got the Jack, or you got the two. But in my book, a terrorist is a terrorist. If you take out a terrorist, that should be a pretty good day. You, you would take out a terrorist, and people take a picture to celebrate this evil person is gone, and yeah. you get charged with that.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, I got and which is like fine, but the, you know, if they, they charge you with conduct, I'm becoming a sailor because they're like this, that doesn't look good for the Navy because you pose with that dead body. I was like, so okay. you're the only
1: one out of 12 that gets,
0: gets hit by one, charge. I'm the only one ever to get prosecuted for doing that at a court martial in the military. Wow. I'm, guys have been taking photos with dead bodies. We call them trophy photos or whatever you want to call them since the beginning of the camera, you know, beginning of war like you can go back yeah. but because of the where we are now as a country or where we are now as a society i was labeled a war criminal because i did that um and they the navy threw the book at me um so what they did is they were like okay because you took that picture we're taking away your retirement we're taking away pretty much it would have been like i never served 20 years in the military wow and this is where the president stepped in again um, and I think this is a big miscommunication too. So he did not pardon me. I was yeah. I remember
1: it was. I remember I just look at it like it was something. It wasn't an official pardon, but he yeah. stepped in, and you were able to get what you should have had coming to you. Had had he not stepped in, oh, I would You probably have, wouldn't have got
0: anything. No, I would. So he he called me. Uh, him and both Vice President Pence called me and said, "Listen, this is what we're going to do. You're going to retire with all everything you earned the past 20 years. That's it. Like." You're going to get out. And that was like a great phone call for me. I was like, I was like, okay, I'm going to be able to get out. The crazy thing is I go back to work the next day. I'm like, Hey, I'd like to put in for retirement now. And they're like, Oh no, because the president called you. We're now, we're going to take your trident away from you. So they try to forcefully like give the president a middle finger saying like, we're not going to listen to you. And now we're going to, some of these Obama holdovers probably. Right. Oh yeah, so <laughs> uh, Admiral Green, who was the in the swamp, he—I mean, he verbally came out against Trump during my thing. Was like, I don't care what the president said. Like, this is his boss, and this is how far. This is where the swamp's at that you talk about. Like, they don't—they care they did not respect the president. They didn't care what he said. They—they they fought against him because what they were hoping for is what's going on right now. They're hoping that Biden gets in office, therefore Admiral Green will get promoted. Under the, Biden, under the Biden administration because he fought against Trump. Um, they <clears throat> So they threatened to take away my trident. The president steps in for a third time. And what's your
1: trident? For those that don't know, explain your trident.
0: So the trident is what you earn after going through a uh, selection process to be a Navy SEAL. Um, so you go through Buzz Basic Underwater Demolition School, and then go to SEAL qualification training. All that takes about uh, I say about two years almost, and then you earn the trident, which is um, your insignia that shows that you are a Navy SEAL or a SEAL operator. Um, it's so it's great. just trying
1: to basically strip you of everything that has partially defined who you are, and
0: what you accomplished. They were trying to, yeah, to take, base away, you. take away my identity, you know? Yeah. And, you know, when they, when they threatened that to me, you know, they were going to take it away. I told them, I was like, you guys can go ahead. Like I, just because you take that from me, I'm still in SEAL. I still am proud of everything I've done. Yeah but the president then steps in for a third time and says, you will not be taking his trident get back to work and focus on what other things, obviously Folk like the war, you know, right after one of your own. Um, and so that, you know, he came with that, they did they didn't end up taking my trident, but they were trying to target me all the way until the day, the day I retired. Um, so wow. It was a constant fight even after the trial, just to even get out of the military. But, you know, with, and people always ask me, like, how did you get through that without like losing your mind or, you know, yeah. Otherwise? And I, I was like, I there's two things I had on my side the whole time with everybody against me. That was the truth and God, and that's mm. that's all that got me through it. Um, I mean, we had the the deck was stacked against us so much. It was, wow. Uh, I prayed, you know, avidly every day that you know, and I just gave I gave everything to God when I was in prison. I literally it took me about two months to realize that I had no control of the situation Um, that you know I couldn't control anything from in there which was obviously as you know David it's really hard for a man to not be able to control what's going on to him or have some sort of control but uh I went I went into my cell and spoke to God out loud got on my hands and knees and I gave everything to him I said you know this is in your hands and if you deem it that I go away for life, then I will go away for life. If not, then I will not. And I tell you what, this is, you know, no BS. Like, I felt the weight of the world come off my shoulders once I did it. <sighs> I walked out of my cell, and that's, he was, he pretty much carried me the whole time through. Cause looking back on it now, especially when I got out, I was like, I have no idea how I got through some of that or how my wife or my kids uh, got through most of it. So,
1: yeah. Wow. Well, Eddie, I it's been an honor to know you, to hear your story. I'm so thankful for the president that he stepped in like he did. You know, it's it's one more reason why I'm absolutely terrified of a Joe Biden presidency because he wouldn't care. He wouldn't no. care, give one iota to anybody throwing the book at any patriotic American that's serving our country, that's put their life on the line, and then trying to be just dismantled and be, you know, hung out to dry. He's not gonna care. None of them are gonna care. They're they're just it's uh it's, it's terrifying in my book to think about uh, and where all that will go. And and the only thing that gives me solace is the fact that I too understand that we have a good father, we have a good God and that we can survive. That's it may true. be difficult, I don't know what all may happen, but we can survive if we have to. I don't believe we're gonna have to, but if we do, we could survive a uh, Biden-Harris uh, ticket, Kamala Harris, I always got to try to make that distinction. Yeah. Uh, I really want everybody to get your book to support you, brother. I, I really do. I hope everybody goes out. Get Eddie's book, The Man in the Arena, um, Navy SEAL, a retired Eddie Gallagher and his wife, Andrea, is in there. From fighting ISIS to fighting for his freedom, get it at eddygallagherbook.com. Support this man. Support this patriot. He should have never gone through. He and his wife, his family should have never gone through what they went through. Yet I'm thankful that uh, he came out the other side and he came out, I think with uh, probably ho- probably a deeper connection with your family, your wife, and obviously God final words, Eddie, what would you, what, what do you want to say about all this or any final thoughts you want to give the audience
0: today? You know, uh, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That's uh, mm-hmm. you know, that goes with any situation that we're going through. Um, the, what, what we're going through as America right now, you know, we got, we got through Obama Biden administration eight years. You know, we survived that, you know, if heaven forbid Biden gets in the, in the presidency, we're going to survive the next four years. You know, there'll be some adversity in there, some obstacles to overcome, but we'll, we'll get through it. And you know what, we'll be stronger and more resilient for it.
1: I agree. I agree. And again, I'm hoping that there's enough fraud being exposed, you know, uh, there's enough, uh, there's still time left. January 6th is a new big date. Um, that then that's when Congress actually will, will make their decision. So we've got a little bit of time, but, uh, I'm hoping that there's enough, uh, enough exposing going on that we get four more years of this amazing president. Eddie, thank you so much, my brother, for taking the time out to hop on, hop on today and share some of your story. I really am so thankful. I got to meet you, say hello to your wife for me. I can't wait to meet her. And, uh, I'm excited for, for where you're at now that you're, you're good. You've got, you know, you've got your pension, you've got your medical and uh, and you've got a book that I think will help wake up a lot of people uh, to understand exactly what's at stake.
0: Yeah. So yeah, people want to know the truth about what happened, all the details in there. I, it's, it's a very, very crazy story. Even when I was writing it, I was like, I don't know. If people are going to believe this, but it's the truth. Um, and um, I, I appreciate you having me on Dave. It was, it's been, it was an honor meeting you up in Colorado and you know, you, you're you a good man. Keep doing the the fight, what you're doing, the good fight. And uh, I hope to meet you again in person one day and have you introduce you to my wife.
1: Yeah, we will, man. We got to get the brides together for sure. It was an honor meeting you. So thank you, Eddie. I'd love to, uh, we'll talk again in the future. I'm sure, And I can't wait for your, for the launch of your book. I hope you sell a million books, brother.
0: Awesome. I appreciate it, brother. All right. Thank you.
1: Friends, you've got to get Eddie's story. We barely scraped the surface of what Eddie Gallagher went through. No individual, especially nobody in our military, should have to go through what he went through, what his wife went through, what his family went through. Get his book at eddiegallagherbook.com. Great great, uh, gift for a friend or family or somebody that's even thinking about the military, but it definitely sheds some light on what what went on in our military under Obama and then uh, how our amazing President Donald Trump stepped on the scene to right or wrong. He's so good at doing that. So please share this episode, send it out, send the podcast link or the YouTube link, or just share this if you're on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, if you like this shirt, don't California, my Texas, get that at davidharrisjr.store, but make sure to get to mypillow.com, get something for yourself, for your family uh, that you'll absolutely enjoy. Use the code TRUMP2020 when you do. God bless you. We will see you all again next time. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. My name is David J. Harris Jr. Join me and millions of Americans around the country as we embrace liberty and freedom. This is the David J. Harris Jr. Show.